Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and I have a very special returning guest joining me for a, uh, a cult dark comedy classic this week. And before I formally introduce him, I just want to remind everyone that the Cult Film Companion Podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms please follow us on social media instagram and twitter at cult film comp c-u-l-t-f-i-l-m-c-o-m-p uh we also have a facebook group that we invite you to join we are a featured podcast on newsly newsly is an audio app for ios and android that picks up the latest trending articles based on topics that you choose to follow and then reads them to you in a natural human voice for the first time in the history of the internet the entire web becomes listenable download and use newsly for free today at www.newsly.me and please use the promo code c-o-l-t-f-1-l-m that's cult film drop the i pop it a one and get a month free of newsly's premium service courtesy of us now my returning guest smash trivia john and i are both members of the Blind Knowledge Creative Collective at www.blindknowledge.com, which is a great website to check out video casts and podcasts from all around the world featuring creators of all walks of life, bringing you very entertaining and informative topics. I happen to focus on cult movies and cult TV shows, and my good friend down south in Georgia, Smash Trivia John, knows all things trivia, especially when it comes to Hulk and She-Hulk. John, welcome back to the show. So happy to have you back here with me. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. And for those of you who... um. Are maybe not familiar with um with your show. Um, give us a little bit about the gamma analysis and all all the little things that you got going on. You got a lot of of varying degrees of stuff going on. So give us a just a little taste of what people can expect from uh yeah. So I have uh, I have uh, I have the gamma analysis, which started as art uh, as just being like. I would uh, would review all things about the Hulk, but I've expanded that. Uh, I I do like a bunch of different nerdy films, and every once in a while, I do I do who um films that are outside of that space. Like uh, it's like uh, this month, I uh, this month, and uh, I did uh, it just mainly all uh, all love based movies. Uh, A's and uh, A's for Valentine's Day. Uh, A which was a lot of fun, including I did uh, it. A zombie love movie, a, a warm bodies from twenty. Love warm bodies, uh, and if I could, could I just interject for a second? Because you mentioned warm bodies. Yeah, uh, there is another one that complements that very well, called Boy Eats Girl, about ah. another romantic zombie movie. So I love it. But please keep going. What else did you? T- what else did you tackle um, for this for this season of love? I also uh, I also tackled uh, the first Shrek movie, uh, a which was so much fun. I actually I, I did that. Uh, I had to have it actually come out on Valentine's awesome. Day, uh, a, and like during that I I not only reviewed the film but I also also 
since I know most people probably have never heard it, I actually played a little bit of audio of what Chris Farley's uh, his Shrek was going to sound like uh, before he sadly passed away and he couldn't, uh, uh, so he couldn't actually play the role. You know, and thank you for bringing that up. I, I am a huge Chris Farley fan. I'm also a fan of Mike Myers. Uh, I, I I wish that we lived in a world where we would have had both versions of the movie. Because um, oh, yeah. I, I, I have heard the, the little clips from Chris Farley um, doing Shrek. And um, it's funny because if you look at Shrek, it, it he... It, it looks he he's almost shaped, and I wouldn't be surprised if the character design was kind of based on Chris Farley because he was a big guy, and, and Mike Myers, as we know, is is not nearly as uh, as large. Um, I have a question for you. This just just, just occurred to me, and I'm going to put you on the spot okay. as someone who's far more um, familiar with um, comic book movies and uh, p- particularly the MCU. What do you think is the most romantic Marvel movie that we've had so far? Um, I think I gotta go with Howard the Duck. Wow, coming in hot. All right, <laughs> I uh, think uh, they get pretty romantic in that. They do. Um, uh, you, you know, yeah, the MCU. Um. They do have some. There's some very interesting relationships, but yes, as as just one movie, um, it is a pretty. It is a love story. Um, it turns out to be a platonic friendship, but it, it, it. Then again, love isn't always necessarily romantic. Like we have. Yeah. Friend, I have friends that I love, and I have family members that I love. Does not mean that I want to be involved with them in any sort of romantic yeah. sense of the word. But um, so this is your third time on the show and it, you, you brought up Howard the Duck. We've covered Howard the Duck and then we covered uh, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, which might be the, um, well, any of the, pun- well, maybe the exception of the Thomas Jane, I would say the two uh, Punisher Warzone and the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movies are probably the least romantic um, <laughs> Marvel movies out there—they're pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty out there. And um, have you seen Punisher Warzone by any chance? No, I sadly have not had a chance to watch the, the other Punisher movies. Yet. All right, uh, I, I might, I, I, I might uh, ask you at some point to cover Punisher Warzone with me because uh, when I first saw it. I wasn't really a fan, and then it, it, it's it's garnered a cult reputation, um, and it's if you want to see the most, I would say anti MCU movie, a movie that is just so over the top violent, um, and not delving into anything sci fi or anything like that, Punisher War Zone is a is a bloody bloody masterpiece but we're not here to talk about uh anything marvel related other than the fact that um well i i guess we'll, our segue into our our movie of the week would be that um 
speaking of, of of Marvel, we're talking about a Nicolas Cage movie, and Nicolas Cage uh, portrayed Ghost Rider. Have you seen either of the Ghost Rider movies starring Mr. Nicolas Cage? I have. Um, I uh, and have not watched him in a long time. I uh, and when I was, uh, I was younger and I watched them, I actually really enjoyed those. But I've heard that they don't age well, so I have uh, I haven't had a chance to go back and I uh, and watch them. And I don't know if I want to because I I kind of want to keep that memory that they're good. That might be that might be your best bet. Uh, I I I um. I've seen both of them. I haven't seen them recently. Uh, the first one, I wasn't all that into. And then I, I really was a fan of the directors that they brought in for uh, the second one. But I, I think my problem with a character like Ghost Rider, uh, mm-hmm. he like the Punisher, like Deadpool, like something when you're tackling something like Logan, you're going to get hampered by a PG-13 rating. Uh, I I really think that we need... If you're going to do um, a Ghost Rider movie, go all out and make it... I mean, we're dealing with a guy that basically makes a deal with the devil. Come on, that's... You know... His head's on fire. He's is he? You got to go R. Uh, I if that being said, I I kind of like the fact that we live in a world where we have two Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movies. But that was um that was then. We're going we're going way back um to some early early Nicolas Cage here. Uh, a little movie yeah. called. Vampire's Kiss. Now, before we even get into Vampire's Kiss, just because Nicolas Cage is one of those people that has almost eclipsed uh, movie stardom, he's just kind of in his own little world. Um, What are your thoughts in general on Nicolas Cage as an actor? Because he seems to be extremely divisive with some people. I love Nicolas Cage. I've uh, I've enjoyed his films ever since I was a kid, and it uh, and um like I'm so happy that he's getting like a resurgence with like films that are, that actually have nice budgets in the uh, uh in past uh, last two years or so. Uh, I was uh, I was really happy that you asked me about uh, to come back, uh, come back and watch this film for uh, for this. As I I've never uh, before watching this film, I don't think I've seen anything this early in uh, in Nicolas Cage's career, and I I like the film, but it's a. Uh, I can't say I love the film. It um, it's a hard, it's a weird film to me. It, it's so to say I uh, I love. I don't I don't know how to feel about it. It's so weird. Well, yes. Let's let's just get right into it. The thing with Nicolas Cage is there seems to be and there's a there's actually a fascinating little YouTube documentary about, all about it's called In Defense of Nicolas Cage all about um 
his acting style styles uh, because he is capable of giving very restrained, controlled performances which don't exhibit any cagisms, I'll call them. (laughs) Any, like, uh, outbursts and freakish, like, just weird behavior or weird um, kind of things. Uh, I'm thinking um, leaving Las Vegas. Uh, Last week I covered Red Rock West. Uh, Most recently he did a movie called Pig where, where it's very, very restrained. And then, then we get something kind of bonkers. Uh, I, I believe, I, if I'm not mistaken, you covered recently Mom and Dad. If I'm yes, yes. That now that's full of cage. That's Boy. full of cra- crazy I, cageisms. Yeah, I I love Crazy Cage. The edge that is like one of my favorite things about the actor is uh, uh, when he just lets it loose. Uh, loose in films. So if you're a fan of Crazy Cage, then Vampire's Kiss is chock full of Crazy Cageisms, and also little a couple scenes that have become memes. If you've ever seen. If you've ever seen that that meme of him uh, sitting at a desk with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, leaning over and pointing, that's from this movie. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the little clip of him reciting the alphabet in a very frantic state of mind, <laughs> that's from this movie. Now, this uh, I, this is not an easy movie to like because... This is a very, th- this is a black comedy, and if you like your comedy dark, this this is this is it doesn't get much darker than what we're dealing with. Vampires kiss, and I think that's kind of the reason that it 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 is a perfect fit for my show because this movie did was a box office failure, but has become a cult hit due to the due to the just premise of the movie and the performance of Nicolas Cage. Now, the reason I say it's it's heavy material because we're dealing with a narcissistic, borderline sociopathic individual womanizer who mm-hmm harasses his poor secretary to the point where he eventually assaults her and we mm-hmm. and he actually says and I don't want to even use the, like that word will get flagged but the r word comes up yeah. we don't see it explicitly but he says that he did it and the way that the movie handles it it's it's kind of played off as a joke. Now this is 1988, and I would say a it's played off as a joke to him. But when you see them uh, see the other characters talk about it at the end of the film, it's not. No, it, it's played off as a joke, but it's played off as a joke to the audience because, um, 
but you're right. The uh, the the woman that is assaulted and her her brother uh, take the, the take the situation extremely seriously as well as as well as they should. Um, but like I said, if you're looking for a straightforward vampire movie, this is not the. One. <laughs> not, yeah, I'm not even sure if there is a single vampire in this movie. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I want to uh, talk about uh, here because I'm like, I don't, I don't know whether we should actually believe everything is fake, uh, a, or if there is some of it that's real. If the lady he met was actually a real vampire, I don't, know. I don't think she was because we see her later in the movie. I think that we are watching the the. And again, this is why it's a dark movie. I think we're watching the mental deterioration and psych. We're watching a psychotic break. I think we're watching a guy that has lost all grips on reality over the course of this movie. I do not think that Jennifer Beals' character is actually a vampire because we see her later in the club. He goes to look for her. So let's let's just briefly set up this scenario here we have Nicolas Cage who's um an executive at a publishing firm and uh one of their writers is looking for an original copy of a contract for one of his first short stories and he can't find it so he enlists his poor poor secretary portrayed by Maria Conchita Alonso who is not only a talented actress, but is also a talented singer. I am not all that familiar with any much of her movies. The The movie that I always remember her from is The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So she's in there with that. But she plays this poor, poor secretary just trying to do her job. And Nicolas Cage is, and again, this is why I say a sociopath, um, a narcissistic sociopath as someone that has studied uh, psychology it, it is not uncommon for people that rise up in these industries and that become very high level executives um, display very narcissistic arrogant and sociopathic tendencies which means that they don't really care who they have to step on to get to what they want to achieve. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care who they hurt. And that's kind of what we get here with Cage. And he, we're, he's shown as a womanizer. We see him go out at night, um, picks up various women. Um, we also see that there's clearly something wrong with him right from the get-go because this man is in therapy not to say that there has to be something significantly wrong mentally with you to seek out therapy i myself have gone through therapy in the past and i found it to be extremely beneficial and if you're in that position where you you feel that you need help then i strongly recommend going to therapy but um he (laughs) he doesn't seem to really he it almost seems at the beginning of the movie that he only goes to this therapist to kind of gloat about his yeah. his conquests of women throughout the course of the night. He doesn't seem to be talking about anything 
relevant. He doesn't bring up feelings of depression or anxiety or anything like this. He's not working out any like past trauma. It's almost as if he just wants an audience and that he almost kind of gets off on the fact that I pay for this amount of time. I pay for, uh, you know, 45 minutes and an hour of, uh, of therapy. And, uh, this woman has to sit there and listen to whatever I have to say. And I, it's, it's almost like a power trip to him. He's going through this whole power trip, the way that he treats this poor secretary in this movie is it's all a power trip. I want to ask you the scenes with the therapist. We know near the end of the film that the, um, that it's definitely fake. What like, do you think any of the other scenes with the therapist uh, from earlier in the film are fake? Wow. You know, I, I've honestly never thought about that. I, I've given so much thought to the other scenes in the movie that I thought were were not real. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the, the, the initial scenes with the therapist are real. Um... And I don't think it's, be, and I don't think that the the lines between fact and fiction start blurring until that he really has this this uh, this break and he he thinks that he's a vampire. That's when I mm-hmm. think that the the lines start to blur. Um, but but then again, I could be wrong. And you could be very right. And now I kind of want to go back and rewatch the movie. Are, are, are we dealing with like a Fight Club situation that like nothing, none of none of his interactions were real with her? Very interesting point, John. Thank you for bringing that up. That's that's that that's good. That's real good. One other thing I want to bring up uh, relating to these uh, two things being fake, and this is a little bit of spoilers for another film, but uh, um. Have you seen the 2019 film Joker? I have. Uh, it, like the uh, like when the, uh, we find out that there's so, uh, so much fake stuff in this, it, it very much reminds uh, reminds me of how of um a lot of stuff in Joker. Sure, uh, where we go back and uh, you know, but the thing is, um, and I'm thinking like with joker and something like fight club we are actually the filmmakers actually go out of their way at the end of the movie to sh- to reshow scenes where we thought a character was interacting with somebody and it turns out they were all by themselves um i don't get that sense with this movie because well because this is you get a little bit of that uh, uh not uh, not like going back at by at the end of the movie but like as scenes actually happen, there are moments where, uh, or like, um, like where he has the has the coffee cup, and he thinks there's someone there, but we actually see that he do- there's nobody there. Right. Um. Well, yes, but I, I, that that is with um the Jennifer Beals vampire character. Um, I do think that the scenes with the therapist are real. I do think that he had a one night stand with Jennifer Beals cuz she does recognize yeah. him later in the movie. I don't think that she's a vampire. 
I I'm not sure uh, uh, sure with that uh, like yes uh, as she acts at the end like she's not uh, uh she um didn't do these things to him and she doesn't know him uh, she's just only had that one uh night stand with him but after she, after he's thrown out of the club they uh, they go back to her real quick and she gets a smile on her face I think she was lying. Okay. You, you know what? I forgot. The closing scene of this movie is her smiling into the camera. Um but we never see yeah, we never see her during the day. She's always in the you know, dark. We do see periodically scenes of her feeding on him. But again, I I, I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't know. This this movie's so so. This movie. Let let me just. I I got to bring up a couple interesting points about this movie. Um. So this movie was directed by uh, um da, 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 Robert Bierman, who was actually originally scheduled to direct. 1986's The Fly, which eventually went to David Cronenberg, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I don't think he's directed many... Um, this seems to be probably his probably his best well-known movie, but he's um, since went, went on to um, direct uh, episodes of, uh, of the TV. Uh, I want to focus on <laughs> the screenwriter Joseph Minion. Now, he, I love that name. Well, here's my issue with Mr. Joseph Minion. I one of the first episodes that I ever recorded for this show that has since been lost due to the fact that um my engineer at the time uh was going through some personal issues with um substances and uh was not reliable so that episode got lost but so i did a lot of research for his first screenplay for a movie called after hours which was going to be directed by tim burton and eventually went on to be directed by martin scorsese and this was in 1985 and he wrote this really wacky black comedy takes place at one night over the course uh, in in um in New York City about a guy who's um going to meet up with a girl and all you know everything that any, anything wrong anything that could go wrong does go wrong and it's just a mess and eventually I will get back to recording a, a full episode on after hours but this is my problem with Joseph Minion it came out during uh, either post-production um, or right after the movie After Hours came out, that this man plagiarized a good third of that movie to the point where uh, there was uh, legal stuff involved and there was a payout. So as much as I love after hours now when I go back to watch it I'm like well what how much did he actually write and what did he steal and he's the only credited writer here for Vampire's Kiss 
so left to his own devices he seems like a very disturbed individual to come up with some of this kind of to come up with this kind of stuff because first of all you have to be kind of a seedy fellow to think that you're going to get away with um plagiarizing a major motion picture and not get caught uh that that's kind of shady um and then when you're left to your own devices you come up with this crazy ass vampire i'm gonna use vampire in air quotes because i'm not who knows if there's i mean you're anyone can have a theory there could be uh jennifer beals uh could be a vampire maybe nicholas cage actually was a vampire my theory is that um you know it'd be funny if uh if um they uh, if they reveal that the Renfield movie that's coming out this year is actually a sequel to this, and that somehow he didn't die. Well, yeah, he does is supposedly die at the end of this. Um, it would be really funny. I I don't know how I would feel about that if they did that. Well, uh, chances are, uh, if if what I've heard about the Renfield movie is correct. Uh, he's playing a version of Dracula that's been around for thousands of years. So the chances that he was a he became a vampire in the 1980s probably slim to none. Probably. But um, no, it's an interesting connection, and um, that movie does look quite interesting. I I will say. Um, Speaking, of, you spoke of of the a uh, Martin Scorsese film After Hours. So apparently, according to uh, IMDb, I've never actually seen in After Hours, but apparently, according to IMDb, the diner scene in uh, in Vampire's Kiss is actually the same diner that was used in After Hours. That wouldn't surprise me, um, because both these movies were shot uh, in New York City uh, on location. So, uh, and, and it's probably one of those diners that was used for lots of different places. Yeah. It was probably, they were probably very, um, they probably had a very good relationship with the studios and the, the directors and the crew knew that, you know, they, they could, and they got that real authentic New York City diner look going on there. Um, but there's... <laughs> As much as I love Nicolas Cage, and I love Crazy Cage, and I love a good restrained Cage performance, the only kind of Cage performances I don't like are the ones where he seems really bored and kind of sleepwalking through a performance. Um, and that 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 happened kind of in the uh, I would say the uh, the two thousands. He, he seemed to kind of just kind of like not really put his effort into it. But as you so uh, succinctly brought up earlier, you know, he's kind of getting a, a resurgence of popularity uh, because there was a period of time there where most of his he was doing a lot of uh, directive uh digital directive streaming kind of movies and if you look at his filmography he's probably hundreds of movies like literally oh yeah um um he the, uh, do you know the reason for uh isn't for why he was doing all those uh all those direct video films? money 
yeah so he uh, yeah he owed a lot of people and then they and he finally was able to pay off all his debts and that's when he was able to get uh he was able to start uh art accepting bigger film roles uh all in the last two years that are uh, uh that would take him a lot longer to film well because i because I've, I've I've read some articles and I've seen some some videos about this kind of thing where they'll they'll these lower budget movies they'll hire an actor who has some name uh, recognition, pay him for a couple days of work, uh, and you know, and then spread that out over the course of the movie. The guy might have been on set for uh, you know less than a week. And everyone else, you know, they just shoot around him and then they, you know, but then his name will be plastered all over it. But yet Nicolas Cage has a problem with money and marriage. I can't count. I think he's been married four or five times. He's got a bunch of kids. He likes to buy weird Mm -hmm. stuff, buy weird stuff. Like when I say that I like to buy weird stuff, like I'll buy a weird movie. When Nicolas Cage buys something weird, he'll buy like a castle or... Uh, a two-headed snake. Yeah, stuff like that. He'll buy his own island, and then, you know, he gets married, he gets divorced, all this money. A he needs... pyramid-shaped uh, a, um, place for when he dies. Yeah, that yeah, sounds about right, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the one thing that I don't like about this movie is the voice he uses. Yeah. I don't like it. It sounds. It doesn't sound like him. It doesn't even sound like someone trying to do a Nicolas Cage impression. It sounds like he's um, congested at times. Uh, um, there's actually apparently uh, actually apparently something to that. Uh, he uh, apparently his strange accent in the film is supposed to be a fake accent that's used by the character because he thinks he sounds more elegant and smarter. Well, that's why we call you Smash Trivia John because you bring out the trivia here. Thank you. That that makes a lot of sense. It, it does. It does sound like someone trying to sound more important than they actually are, and trying to make what they're saying more sound more important than it actually is. Uh, but that being said, um, I there's just I mean, like like I was saying, the the alphabet scene is just yeah. ridiculous and you know and like him jumping on top of a table to, oh, to get mad at the secretary yeah um there's just so many weird little little things that he does i'm really curious in the script for that particular scene where they're talking about misfi- the the contract got misfiled and they're talking about how easy it is to file everything you just do it alphabetically and he goes through this whole thing. I haven't misfiled one thing. Not ever. Not once. How hard could it be? A, B, C. And I was wondering, I wonder if the script, like he was just supposed to do like A, B, C, D, and then like stop. And he's like, no, you know what? I'm doing the whole alphabet. Because <laughs> you're kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you're kind of like, um, okay, whatever you say, Mr. Cage. I think that he was, like, allowed to do a lot of improv for this film. Like, the famous cockroach scene is what was his idea. Yeah, yeah. He, that, and now, if I'm not mistaken, that was a live cockroach that he ate. Yep, that, uh, it, 
It was a real cockroach. It reportedly took three takes, uh, eggs, and um, he he once said about the experience, every muscle in my body didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. And uh, this is a scene that he is greatly regretted later on in his career. Well, you know, you don't want to be known as the guy that'll eat cockroaches live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the, the, the parent got a number of calls from animal rights activists about the scene, and he defended his actions by asking them if they could honestly declare they've never used a can of Raid in their homes. Yeah, I don't want to get into this whole animal rights kind of thing, because yeah. it's like... Yeah. Like as much as I want to, uh, as much as you know, I'm all for I'm all for you know, treating animals, you know, you know, cruel, you know, cruelty free um, treatment of animals and everything. On the same hand, I've never seen a cockroach up close in person. Never had one in my apartment or anything like that. Uh, my first instinct, if I saw one, I- I'm just going to be honest would be to kill it uh just gonna say it i but on the other hand i am someone that if i find a spider in my apartment i will catch the spider and i will take it outside um i don't want to be chasing a cockroach around my apartment uh but on the other hand i also would not eat a cockroach now you yeah, that's that would be probably pretty disgusting. I I literally when watching this, I I closed my eyes when he was eating the cockroach. So I was like, I don't want to see that. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like uh, there's any number of ways you could have done it. You you could have faked it. You know, you could have easily had a, just a fake cockroach. Uh, I don't know if he was trying something method, uh, or he was just like a fungus, or again. It, it, this is this again is early Nicolas Cage in his career. He wasn't as, the established Academy Award winning star that he would eventually become. So yeah. I, I, you know, it might have been one of those things as a young actor. You know, he might be. If they're going to remember anything from this movie, they're going to remember me eating a cockroach. That being said. Everything about everything he does in this movie is memorable. Yeah, you know, even though he regrets uh, doing the, the cockroach scene, uh, uh, he does say that uh, he has said apparently in interviews that this is his favorite movie he's ever done. Really? Okay. Yeah, apparently. Um, because I, I, he'll he he comes out with things. Uh, I, I I know that he said there was um a movie that came out a couple of years ago. I think it's called Incidents in a Ghost Prisoners of a Ghost Land or Incidents in a Ghost Land something yeah. something in a Ghost Land where he said it's the wildest movie he's ever done. So he's uh, he is also yeah. one to um to talk. He likes. Yeah, I I haven't seen Prisoners of the Ghost Land. All I all I really know about it is that there's a scene in it where apparently his uh, his balls explode. Uh, let me correct you, John. Only one of his testicles explodes. Okay. 
he is uh he's wearing this suit um yeah he's um he's tasked with returning this girl to this this city and in order to um make sure that he does it within this set amount of time um explosives um are placed on each of his testicles and parts other parts of his body but um yes i can confirm that one of his testicles does explode uh, now again, I, I I'm I'm guessing that this is a, this is a, a, a you know a new screenwriter, a new a relatively new director. Uh, I think this was his first movie, and I find that certain directors know how to rein in Cage and kind of. Uh, like when he's at a when he's at an eleven, and they go, "Listen, you got to bring it down to like a six. And then there's other directors that'll just kind of be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm working with Nicolas Cage. You could do whatever the hell you want." And sometimes that doesn't work out all that well. Um, I could think of a couple movies where he was just basically allowed to do whatever he wanted, and the movie suffers for it. Now, this movie, <laughs> I think that a lot of it was probably him just, like, especially towards the end when he's running down the street going, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Yeah, um, yeah. that scene, um, none of the stuff in that scene was set up. They, uh, He was actually on real street. None of the uh, the people he walked by were actors. They were uh, They were just normal people. Who, so all of their reactions were genuine to things, and they, uh, and, um, they just they had someone filming it from far away, so that people didn't know they were being filmed. I was gonna say, I, I, I definitely think there's a scene where he's kicking this um, pallet to get this this plank of wood, and it just seems there's like this guy just walking by, and it it doesn't it seems so natural the way the guy just like kind of moves around him that it's just like it's yeah. not this was clearly not like a paid action this is just some guy being like okay this guy's kicking a wooden pallet I'm gonna you know walk on the other side of the sidewalk I'll be fine I, I don't need to go near this nutball uh, but there's so many uh, there's so many things that I love about this movie but on the other hand that voice is irritating to me oh, yeah. Um, but I can't. It's also sometimes can be hard to like a movie when the uh, when the main character is so unlikable. Yeah, um, you kind of get that. Well, uh, I, I <laughs> credit to the screenwriter, the uh, the lead character in After Hours isn't all that likable either. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's more he's more likable than Nicolas Cage is, but maybe this guy just has a talent for writing kind of a uh, just people you really don't want to spend all that much time with. Um, yeah, which that isn't to say you can't like a film that has an unlikable main character, but uh, or, but it just it it makes it harder to make a film uh, um, where you, people will actually... I also think that it's kind of like what you're in the mood for to watch. Like, if, you, if you're if you you're in... Like, when I'm depressed or feeling down or 
you know, I I, I want to watch something funny. I want something to cheer me up. Um, oh yeah. But you know, if I'm just kind of like in the mood to watch something crazy and wacky, it, to me it doesn't really matter. Uh, to I'm more I'm more interested in this character might be unlikable, but is the story that he's he or she is involved in is that is the story interesting? It, are 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 the rest of the characters interesting? Are we are you know is the plot keeping my attention? Uh, but no, no, I'm I'm like Lou. You brought up the Joker. Uh, Arthur Fleck is not an easy character to um, to like. Um, I mean, you yeah. kind of feel sorry for him at first, but as the movie progresses, he gets more and more uh, easy. It's more and more easier to dislike him, and um, you know, it, it all it all depends on kind of the story that we're trying. You know the story that the 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 people behind the scenes are trying to tell, and for all its faults, I I I, you know, my co-host hates Nicolas Cage, hates him, uh, and it's mostly because of the Cage outbursts and the Cage isms that he does in certain roles, but. That being said, Cage is very, very capable with the right script and, more importantly, the right director to kind of have him tone it down is capable of giving um, a very restrained, natural performance. Oh, yeah. I wonder if your your co-host would like the film better if some of the people who were considered for the role of Peter or Lau were, uh, were picked instead the film would have been very different with some of these choices like one of them was Sylvester Stallone oh I can't see that can't see it and then then there's uh, then there's also John Travolta which it kind of makes sense because of face off uh, but then the last one uh, last one that I find really interesting just like with, uh, like with the Sylvester Stallone one, which I cannot see, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Huh. Now, <laughs> it's so weird that these people were considered because the character would not uh, does not feel like them at all. Uh, I kind of just want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger at his therapist's office shouting the alphabet at her. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. might get. I, I also think it would be hilarious uh, whether it be all sports anchor or Sylvester Stallone just on streak yelling, "I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire!" Or I, or, or that scene, the scene we were talking about that's become the meme where he's, he's sitting back in his chair yeah. and leans forward and points. Am I getting through to you, Alba? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm a vampire. Nah. Uh, of all the three that you just mentioned, I, I could see Travolta doing this. Yeah. I could see Travolta doing this. There are little things in this movie that, upon rewatch that I really, really like that maybe I kind of um, missed out on. Um, but I, I just love the fact that he is so convinced that he is a vampire that he turns his couch over, puts down pillows, and <laughs> yeah. the cl- 
the, what really, really makes the scene is they add in like the to, like the the tomb, um, the uh, the coffin opening sound as he when he raises and closes his his sofa coffin. It's that those are the little things that really yeah. I think really stick with me that make this movie um, rewatchable to me because I I think this movie is very rewatchable. I can get, I can get past it because I also I also just really like the other characters involved. I really like Jennifer Beals's vamp air quotes vampire um uh al poor al but i you just i feel as and i think that they did this on purpose to make cage's character so unlikable so that you really really sympathize with this poor woman and then when it finally gets to the point where he assaults her and um and eventually her brother kills him uh you feel justified in in what takes place. Um, they they that that's solid right there. Um, but I it's so and to me like I don't think that he's a vampire. I think that he thinks that he's a vampire. I think that he's yeah. he's had this huge psychotic break and. Um, what really seals the deal for him is that this poor girl is so afraid of him that she starts carrying a gun. Well, she all, she yeah. always carries a gun because she travels on the subway system in New York City and you know, a single single good looking Latina woman on the subway, you know, could be rife for you know, with with oh, trouble. Yeah. So she carries a gun. It's unloaded. And eventually she goes to her brother to get bullets and he says we don't have real bullets we only have blanks so we get this scene where cage assaults her <clears throat> she shoots at him and he thinks he's immortal because she's shooting blanks at him so he this is like the sink this is the clinker for him he, that that if there was ever a doubt that he he wasn't a vampire that was it because this woman just shot him and nothing happened, and then he picks up the gun and puts the gun in his mouth twice, pulling the trigger. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about because, like, that is like I I would say probably the biggest mess up of this film. As in real life, uh, I blanks uh, he doing that, he probably would have been killed. Mm. Here's the thing. And I don't want to get into a whole thing because, um, especially, um, I know there's the the whole Alec Baldwin thing is still going on. I know it happened a couple of years ago, but guns. I can't believe that they are actually going to be restarting production on that. They movie. are. Apparently, I read that apparently they're planning in March on re- restarting production. Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think anybody wants to see this film at this point. I see <clears throat> this is completely off topic, but you know, my show goes off topics. 
this this is my thought now that you just brought this up. We have a movie called um, is it was it Batgirl or Batwoman? What whatever one got shelved. Batgirl yeah, got shelved. Uh, maybe we'll never see it. Maybe we will. But a movie where somebody dies is going back into production like that. That really rubs me the wrong way. Um, that, but that's that's all Hollywood finances and all kinds of stuff. But um, I mean, it also happened the last time there was a a death on uh, on movie set uh, Ed, that happened because of the exact same reason. Uh, isn't with uh, the crow right? Uh, but the thing with the the, the 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 yeah, the thing with the crow though was that was one of the last scenes. Like that movie was almost done, and that, that was a complete accident. And the actor—I don't think that the actor involved in the shooting has actually ever done a movie ever again. Just because he was so traumatized by that, um, but I know that there was, and again, there's this whole investigation going on. I'm just speculating, going on by what I heard. But I heard that there were there were already concern, there were already concerns about some of the safety going on behind the scenes of this movie to begin with. So. I don't know. We'll see how things playing out. You, you and I have no say in the matter. They're not calling up Chris, Chris oh, and yeah. John to say, "What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that uh, we should give Alec Baldwin another shot?" Oh, oh, God! That poor choice of words on my part. That very poor choice of words. Um, yeah. Now, um, let's go back. When was the first time that you saw this movie? Because you were you were familiar with it, right? Yes, so I actually watched this for the first time last year, uh, and I th- I think it was after that that I actually uh, I actually um asked you about uh, trying to do uh, uh do this film mainly because I just really wanted to do a Nicolas Cage film with you because I I love Nicolas Cage. Right, and the um. So this is very different because uh, you know it just so happens that I have back-to-back Nicolas Cage episodes. My only real rule for my 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 podcast is I try not to do directors too close together. But every once in a while, I'll end up with um with actors because um, I think with the same month that I covered The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren with you, this that same month I covered I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. So it, it does happen in the, with these cult movies, but if you want to see like the two different sides of Nicolas Cage, like watch Red Rock West, which is a compl- no Cage freakouts, very very um, subdued character, great movie, great little noir, lots of twists and turns. But no, it, I think there's one minimal cage outburst but for the most part it's very restrained and then you have something like vampire's kiss where you're gonna get a goofy voice you're gonna get some bizarre faces absolutely bizarre faces um and just a performance that you know 
that'll never be duplicated. Probably for the probably oh, yeah. for well, actually, uh, actually, um, Christian Bale used Nicholas uh, Cage's performance in this as inspiration for his role as Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. That I can see because we're dealing with so American Psycho is set in the eighties. Vampire's Kiss takes place in the eighties. We're talking high level executives, narcissists, sociopaths, womanizers. Yeah, I could see, I could see why Christian Bale, um, uh, yeah. just a weird Christian Bale little note here. I <laughs> one of those little clickbait articles caught my eye they're like you'll never guess what christian bale's favorite movie is and <laughs> do you know what do you know what the answer he gives when people when people ask him what his favorite movie is no clue beverly hills ninja starring chris farley so we're back to chris farley now um nothing against beverly hills ninja i don't know what but christian bale gets a kick out of that movie, he he loves yeah. Beverly Hills Ninja, so go figure. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I could I could see it being like uh, him, um, really liking it because it's a, uh, it's a kind of film that he wouldn't be able to do because uh, he's not not a comedy actor. So I maybe that uh, maybe he finds it cool that this is a role that he would not be able to do himself. No, I think the funniest uh, I've ever heard Christian Bale be was that um, <laughs> that onset freakout he had during that Terminator movie is hilarious. I, I have not. Seen You've that. never heard his 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 freakout on the Terminator set. No, so he was filming the uh, Terminator. I think it was. I don't know which one it was. I think Terminator Salvation was one. Yeah. And one of the guys was like, they were doing a scene, and one of the guys was like moving lights, and he just freaks out on the guy. Um, it's just it's it's hilarious. It, it, it actually, they actually, it's um, I don't I don't watch Family Guy a lot, but it was actually featured in a Family Guy episode. His his freak out. That's, cool. uh, it, that's probably the funniest I've ever heard Christian Bale be. Uh, and that was, of course, not even on screen. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how we how did we even get onto this. But anyway, back to- well, I, I was just uh, I it was because uh, oh it started because I I talked about uh, uh, Christian Bale taking uh, a Nicolas Cage's performance as inspiration, and then we talked about how uh, his favorite film being Beverly Hills uh, uh, Ninja. Thank you. Yes. That all makes sense now. Um, yeah. So so for you, how would you rank this as far as other Nicolas Cage movies you've seen? Like, is, is this in, uh, you know, is this one of your favorites? This uh, so-so? Or um, I, I never need to watch this again. I would say, um, I would put it in so-so. It's, uh, oh, I would, I wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, but, uh, uh, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. What are some of your favorite, uh, Nicolas Cage movies? Uh, I would, I would say some of my favorites, uh, it's, um, 
I love the National Treasure franchise. Um, I love uh, and I love Mom and Dad. I think Mom and Dad might be my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. That because uh, that one's just it's such a it's such a like original feeling plot, and it's uh, and is uh, he has uh, as such a hilarious performance in it. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, else is uh, else I really like. Uh yeah. I, I can't think of what else I, else I really like it right, right now. But yeah, yeah. This is definitely not up there with my favorite of his movies. Um, but it is rewatchable for me. I, I, you know, I I I own a copy on DVD, so I'll I'll throw it in. You know, probably maybe maybe once a year. Uh, just because it is so so bonkers. Um, and yeah. also because I just think Jennifer Beals is uh, drop dead gorgeous. So, uh, oh, yeah. uh, kudos to Nicolas Cage. Uh, actually, all the women in this movie are, are very, very yeah. attractive. Uh, but I, I, I think my favorite part of this movie, and I think it's the funniest part of the movie, is his hallucination towards the end where he thinks he's having a um uh, he thinks he's having an appointment with his therapist and it turns out he's just like talking to i don't know a trash can or something on the side of the wall or the side of the road yeah. he's talking to but he thinks he's having this um this therapy session and he mentions all the things that he did <laughs> but he's so nonchalant he's like and I raped a woman, and I killed someone, but all I want is love. And and his therapist is like, "Oh, that's all you wanted? My next, my next patient has also been looking for love. I think you two would be perfect together." <laughs> and she's like, "You two go run off and have some fun. I'll take care of the cops." And like that whole like little s- scene, and then he's actually. The, the movie ends with him having a fight with his invisible imaginary new girlfriend. Um, yeah. He finally arrives home. At this point, um, poor Alba has told her brother everything that has happened, and his brother is out for blood, and his, uh, you know, he's having an invisible fight with his girlfriend, and... Um, Prior to this, he had he had previously tried to get people to kill him. He's like, I'm a vampire. You must kill me. And um, uh, Alba's brother is more than happy to uh, to do him in at, at the very end. Oh, yeah. uh, and then, like you said, I and then we get the final scene of Jennifer Beale. So maybe she was a vampire. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she, uh, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. Uh, I was, I'm, uh, uh, I, it's not that final scene that's what made, makes me think, think she's a vampire because like I don't uh, that scene I don't know if it's can, but I'm mainly uh, I mainly am talking about how right after he is thrown out of the club, they uh, they uh, they go back to her and her like other boyfriend or sign, and she smiles. Yeah. Um... 
Plus, is you know, prior to even meeting Jennifer Beals, there is a bat. A bat does fly through the window, so yeah. it could have been her in bat form scouting him out. Um, yeah. Maybe she's just. Uh, maybe she seeks out to to kill or feed on these um, arrogant yuppies, um, these rich socialites. Maybe that. Maybe that's her deal. Uh, I I wouldn't mind um, I wouldn't mind a sequel, not with Nicolas Cage. I want him out. I I, I, yeah. I like him being dead, but I would I would be interested in a sequel that followed the story of um, either Jennifer Beals' uh, character as a vampire or as not a vampire, and then what happens to poor Alba, you know, or both. They have a sequel to where somehow Alba comes across this this woman, but um, you know, the, yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna bet vital parts of my anatomy that we're never gonna see that happen. Probably not <laughs> at this point in time. Although stranger things have happened, you know, they do so every once in a while they will do one of these um these sequels out of nowhere, you know, after decades of nothing, and then all of a sudden. You get a new Mad Max movie, or get a new Blade Runner movie, just out of nowhere. So, you know, strange. I don't think Nicolas Cage has ever done anything like that, but I, I kind of would be interested in seeing him do something like that because, like, he has definitely like honed his craft uh, after over the past thirty years. So it would be really cool to see him like return to some roles from uh, roles from near the start of his career. I, you, you know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, isn't there a movie where he plays himself? Yeah. yeah. So you know, so this movie uh, was a, sm- a small budget, two million dollars budget. Uh, it grossed less than a million at the box office, seven hundred twenty-five thousand one hundred thirty-one thousand uh, seven. Oh, seven hundred twenty-five thousand one hundred thirty-one dollars at the box office. That's not very good uh yeah no. but then again um nicholas cage wasn't really the name actor that we would um we he would go on to be and th- this movie was released uh june 2nd 1989 um so we're talking early summer and uh 89 was a huge movie for summer blockbusters uh, a little movie called Batman came out and pretty much just yeah. overshadowed everything else. So, um, but yeah, it really found it really found um, its cult following in home video and then cable TV, and then you know, another film from like early in uh, in Nicolas Cage's career. I really want to see because I find it uh, it really interesting that. Uh, um, Peggy Sue got married because that is a film that actually has both Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey in it. Really, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I and the, the thing is, it kind of saddens me though that that's the film that they're in because it doesn't look like either of them are gonna get. Uh, uh, either of them probably would have crazy performances in it. Well, probably. 
not. Um, I haven't seen Peggy Sue Got Married, but it is interesting to me that uh, Peggy Sue Got Married is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And for those of you who don't know, Francis Ford Coppola is Nicolas Cage's uncle. Uh, his yeah. birth name is Nicolas Coppola. Uh, good on him for not wanting to kind of ride the tales of, a, you know, um, uh, b- being a Coppola. Uh, do you know where the name Cage comes from? Um... No, no. Oh, no. really? You're a Marvel guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Luke Cage. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I also think, I think this poor kid, if I'm not mistaken, Nicolas Cage has a son called Kal-El, which... Um, oh, yeah. The, he, the, Nicolas Cage is like a massive comic mm-hmm. fan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like one of it, he he said in uh, before that his uh, his most prized possession that's ever been stolen from him is his Superman comics. Well, he was, and you can see pictures of him in a Superman costume. He was going to be after the popularity of uh, Batman with Tim Burton. Tim Burton was going to do Superman, and it was going to be with Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah. Kind of glad that we never saw. Also, also- I'm sorry. Uh, he also while uh, while he was doing um, Ghost Rider, he actually uh, actually was campaigning for Marvel to have his co-star from Ghost Rider, Eva Mendes, uh, as play She-Hulk. Huh. Interesting. That th- and then do a movie together, Ghost Rider and She-Hulk, or just separate? I don't. I I don't know. I think uh, I think it was supposed uh, it was gonna be a, a separate thing, but uh, it was just like he loved her performance in the movie so much that he was uh, uh, trying to talk about Marvel into doing it. Sadly, nothing ever came of it. Uh, it but I I think it would have been very interesting to see, and I wonder who, uh, if it was gonna be a separate thing, who he would have played with in that. Um. I, I think it would, it would be interesting. Uh, what could be an interesting is if he if he actually played uh, a Bruce Banner, her cousin. That could be, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like uh, and like maybe it would be just like a little bit of an older Bruce Banner in it. We've already we, we've got three three cinematic hooks. I think three's enough. Speaking yeah. of which, I I was when I was rewatching one of the um the Punisher movies, and I realized, well, we have three cinematic Punishers, three cinematic Hulks. Let's do some sort of multiverse Hulk versus Punisher movie. Uh, That I would like to see. Three Hulks, three Punishers. uh, Make it R. Lots of blood. Make it a... Give give me a body count. Uh, That could be a lot of fun. Uh, the biggest thing with that is you have to uh, is I feel like a, a Punisher would have to part of his story would probably have to be trying to find like a material he can make bullets from that will actually pierce the Hulk. Well, I'm thinking something of uh, a bad Hulk, uh, maybe two bad Hulks. One good Punisher, two bad Punishers. I want like the teams to be sprinkled up. I don't want it to be three Hulks versus three Punishers. I, I think like uh, 
two Punishers and a Hulk versus um, two Hulks and a Punisher would be a very interesting kind of a kind of thing to do. So, uh, it, oh, yeah. uh, Marvel, if you're listening, uh, me and John want credit for that idea. Okay. If you do it, right. uh, any final thoughts here for Vampire's Kiss? I think we kind of we 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 covered a lot here with Vampire's Kiss. Um, um the only thing uh, I like. Uh, thing of trivia that I had left was that there uh, was the um the scene where he destroys everything in his apartment that actually was all real furniture and they only had one take to be able to do that uh, and so if they had if something messed up they would have had to uh, they um would have had to just use it uh, use it they actually when doing that he accidentally destroyed one of the two cameras that they were using for the scene. Wow. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, with the $2 million budget, that's not a lot of money. Uh, that's, uh, and that's even, I mean, if in terms of inflation and everything, or deflation in this case, that wasn't a lot of money back then to make a movie. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I could see that, and uh, oh wow, destroying some of the cameras. Oh, Mister Cage, only you, John Travolta wouldn't have let that happen. I don't think. <laughs> um, now before I let you go, I did want to mention something before we started recording. You were saying something about um alternate scenes. Yeah. So actually, uh, so I uh, I've watched this now. I think. Four times, uh, Irons and uh, Irons, and last night I was uh, I was watching again just to refresh my knowledge on this, and I noticed like it felt like there was scenes in it that I hadn't noticed before. So I went and looked it up, and I found out there's apparently an uncut version of the film, and I guess what I was watching, which I was watching it on Tubi, I guess is the uncut version of the film. Uh, and mostly it's like uh, it's just like extra dialogue and then uh, and um just a, a couple of uh, uh, just a couple of moments here and there but uh, but um the extra footage in it all uh, all amounts to a whole eight minutes extra wow okay and so- which is actually a pretty long uh, long uncut version I guess uh, as like most uncut versions are like two to three minutes at most uh, of extra stuff. Yeah, it all depends on, you know, if it's just, um, they, they film a lot of scenes and some of them get cut for theatrical. Some of them get added and, you know, there's director's cuts and the producer's cuts and TV cuts. So you watch this on Tubi and, um, I might have to check that out. Do you remember anything, uh, specifically that was different? Um, trying to think. I either I know. I remember at the beginning uh, and at the beginning of the film, there's a scene of of Cage and uh, uh, Peter and Alba, uh, Alba in a, uh, in the um hallway, uh, hallway, and they're talking about the uh, about the about this uh, is um. But uh, the contract that she's supposed to find, and and he and they actually mentioned how how it was filed by someone before either of them actually came to the uh, aim to uh, uh, aim to work there. Uh, uh, there's also uh, also 
a, one of the scenes with in the uh, the therapy sessions is significantly longer, or with them talking about more stuff. Uh, and then also, uh, also, I know that uh, there's uh, near the end, there's a a cuts to uh, a cuts to um Alba's brother, uh, other breaking into his uh, into the building by smashing the door uh, uh, doors glass uh, last to actually be able to open it uh, it while he's having his freak out session session uh, with his fake girlfriend i do remember the scene of the guy smashing the glass that i do remember um cuz he's got a tire iron and he smashes the top window and reaches his hand in to unlock it yeah uh, but yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's extended therapy scenes and uh, other stuff that was cut and and Tubi's great uh for stuff like that um you, you never kind of know um so i'm gonna have to look into that because uh, i i'd be interested to see what some of the extended scenes are i i don't think that my my uh the dvd copy that i have is very bare bones there's no uh like bonus features anything like that um yeah, Vampire's Kiss didn't really set the world on fire when it was released, but uh, still, it still got it still has fans and it still gets talked to to this day. And um, and now that it's on Tubi, I'm you know more and more people gonna check it out. But again, um, I recommend this movie uh, if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. If you're not a mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage fan, I. I there's there's yeah. better black comedies out there and uh, if you're looking it's this is um kind of it says that it's a black car black comedy horror movie this is really not that well actually the, yeah i wouldn't say the, the, i would say weirded out might be uh, people might be but i don't know about uh, being scared well i was going to say the most horrific scene in this movie is him um uh, assaulting Alba, like that's the most yeah. horrific scene. Um, he completely loses it. Um, but like the vampire, yeah. the vampire gore and stuff you see is very, very um, um, minor. Uh, you know, uh, I do, I do like the, <laughs> I do like the scene where he is shopping for vampire teeth, and he yeah. can't, aff- he can't afford. The really nice uh, uh, top yeah. shelf, which is only because he uh, as he decided to uh, uh, to drive uh, or have a taxi take him to uh, to get Alba back to work, right? Just so he could harass her. Um, he he really yeah. feels like a schoolyard bully here, and it's almost like if uh, the kid that you pick on is sick from school, it's like you almost go to their house to pick on them while they're homesick. Um, poor Alba. Um, which I still think I think Alba in that scene she should uh, instead of telling him that sh- she wasn't actually sick that like, she should have just said okay I'll take the soup and then close the door in his face but he was yeah he was he was trying to sweet talk her and um, he was uh, yeah so um, so who would you so I, I, I would say if you're a Nicolas Cage fan um, check it out or rewatch it if you haven't watched it in a while. If you watched it and didn't like it, a sec- I don't think a second viewing is going to change your mind. Uh, if you don't like weird cageisms, 
uh, I wouldn't recommend this. Also, um, some of the uh, the verbal and physical assaults are, are not easy to watch, um, and there's really nothing funny about that. So, I mean, this is a very kind of a very niche film. But uh, oh, yeah. who would you recommend this to? Um, I would say a. I would recommend this to people who. They're uh, they uh, they have like a very open mind and mind and really like seeing films that uh, films that are feel very original and different from anything else that they'll ever watch. Mm. So uh, uh, that's who I would probably recommend it to. Um, but I don't know other than that, like anyone specific that I would recommend. It yeah, to. it's not something that I, I you know. You got to be in. You got to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. You got to be aware that there are some triggering aspects to this movie that are a little are are, are difficult to watch. Um, yeah, apparently, a Nicholas Cage actually showed the film to one of his girlfriends, uh, and and they immediately just left him afterwards because they were uh, they thought he was so weird after watching it. Well, pro tip. Do not be that guy that uh, shows your date um, your own movie or uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just first of all, especially a movie like Vampire's Kiss, because, well, first of all, the whole thing that is like she comes over to his house. You're like, oh, we're going to watch a movie. And she's, she's like, oh, what movie? He's like, oh, one of my movies. And she's like, really? Really? <laughs> Okay, that's kind of weird, first of all. And then Vampire's Kiss, of all things. Come on, it's like, it's not yeah. romantic. Um, not romantic at all. Uh, he, you're, he's a terrible womanizer in this movie. It's not not a good way to... Uh, not a good date movie. Um, this is... You, you should have a couple months of a solid relationship under your belt before you start showing someone Vampire's Kiss, I think. This is not a good first date movie. Yeah. Um, so, John, what's coming up on the Gamma Analysis? What can we look forward to? Um, so, uh, oh, I have, uh, I've, I'm co- uh, coming out. Uh, uh, well, actually, uh, actually, I would, uh, I, from when this, uh, this, the, this episode releases, I don't know what will be co- uh, uh, coming out. That since I, it's usually like a month or so after uh, we record this. Will probably, uh, 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 from, from, this will be within the week, actually. So, okay. what's coming up this week? Uh, I have, uh, I have coming, uh, coming a review of the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special. I am, I'm going to be ha- uh, a reviewing a. Ant Man the Wasp Quantum Mania. Nice. Uh, and I have, uh, and I'm planning on, uh, I'm planning on doing a, uh, I'm a 70s Hulk episode uh, at the beginning of March, uh, Arch, which is going to be one that I'm very interested in as it's a, uh, as it's an episode uh, where Hulk faces off against an abusive father. Ooh. Uh, and then, uh, and then also in March, I'm planning on doing, uh, uh doing, um, Scooby Doo Monsters Unleashed. Uh, I have uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing a bunch of fu- uh, fun stuff on the Patreon uh, as well. I have uh, I have for the last week in uh, in February I'm planning on reacting to three different love based B movies. Uh, um, and the uh, and 
that's gonna be a, a lot of fun. Uh, I, and I also uh, also I I now uh, I now offer that uh, offer that if people want me to make them a custom trivia night, uh, I or or just trivia game in general, uh, with whatever theme they want. Uh, on, they can hire me to do that on uh, on um, Fiverr. Great. So um, make sure that to uh, check out all of uh, John's social media. Links will be in the episode description. Follow him on Twitter, on Instagram. Check out his uh, Patreon page for more exclusives. And um, listen, spice up your, your trivia night with... Um, with Smash Trivia John. John knows his trivia. So if you're going to trust someone with your trivia night, go with the man that's got trivia in his freaking name. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John, thank you so much for joining me once again here on the show. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Uh, unfortunately, I know nothing about uh, 70s Hulk so I would be little to no use on your show. Uh, but if, but if anything ever comes up that I could be uh, helpful with, please just uh, give yeah. me a shout. And I thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Cult Film Companion Podcast. Good night. All right.